Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Park Lawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. I'm going to share a word with you all. We're, we've been in a, we are in a theme and a series where we're focusing on a deeper level of discipleship. To be discipled means that we are spiritually formed to look, think, and act like Jesus Christ. And that's because the moment that you confess your faith in Christ and the moment you get saved, you don't always start thinking, speaking, and acting like Jesus. Right? You just got saved. Now you got to be discipled, which means you have to be formed. You have to be transformed day by day. And it needs, it requires that you have a tool and a resource. Many of us, we, we begin going to church after we get saved, and that's a good thing. Uh, but that doesn't disciple you. Many of us, we start serving in a, in a local church. And that's a good thing. And that might make you act right, particularly when you're serving and when people are watching you. But that doesn't disciple you either. Some will even go to a class, and that's a good thing because you'll learn some things, but that doesn't necessarily disciple you at a deep level. There's a tool that we've adopted in this season called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and we are going through that as a church uh, chapter by chapter. It's eight different chapters, and we started this past Wednesday. But on the Sunday morning times, we will be going at, a, going at it from a, a higher level, uh, and today's message will, will take us down that road as well. I want to let you know that next Sunday, uh, Evangelist Will Jones will be our guest uh, speaker. We're excited whenever he comes and partners with us. So I want to just uh, be real with you all and let you know some of the things that Mama taught me. I was taught... Um, as a child, to be generous. I was taught to be courteous to people. Uh, and I hope that I'm still living those uh, lessons out today. Mama taught me to listen well, although uh, some would probably question if I, ta- if I learned that lesson. She taught me to lead to the best of my abilities. Mama would always say, son, live for your dreams. You can be anything you want to be. You can do anything you want to do. You can have anything you want to have. You can reach for the stars. But she always said, remember who you are. And then when I would leave the house, she would stop me, grab my collar and say, but wait a minute now, before you leave this house, don't you go out there and embarrass me. 
Anybody ever heard that? Y'all know my mama too then, right? Don't go out of this house and embarrass me. One of the traits that I think we learned or one of the lessons that we are taught and we learned as Christians and it's sometimes to our detriment is that we are taught to constantly give and take care of other people. We're taught that we are not supposed to deny people of their request. In fact, some of us, we feel guilty by saying no. We feel guilty when we have to stop doing things. Anybody can relate to that? So my focus today is for us to look at a, at a core spiritual issue that really relates to our humanity, and that is limits. Limits. We all, we have limits. Everybody that's in this room today, you have a limit. The only one who is not limited is God. Even Satan has his limits. Angels have their limits. God is the only one who is limitless. And the reality is that you and I cannot serve everybody's needs. As much as we might try or even think that we can. The Apostle Paul accepted his humanity and yet it seems kind of contradictory when we read Philippians chapter 4 where the Apostle Paul in verse 11 says, I, not that I speak in regard to need for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere in all things. I've learned both to be full and to be hungry. Verse 13, he says, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I think we've taken that verse 13 scripture, I can do all things through Christ, and we have just abused it. And in abusing the scripture, we abuse ourselves. And we have literally abused those that we are trying to do things for. Paul learned a secret to having a supernatural strength. When he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he's, he's talking about having the strength to be content in the midst of your circumstances. Because you can't change every circumstance. You can't change uh, people. And it doesn't do us any good to deny those circumstances. Paul says, I've learned that the secret to my strength is being content in the midst of them and surrendering them to God. So my purpose this morning is to let us all know that that limits can be a blessing because they can lead us to God. There is a place for limitations. It's in that place of embracing and acknowledging our limits that we often find God. It's hard though because we, we are brought up in a society in which we are taught to reach for the stars. You can do anything. You can have anything. You can become anything. And now you want me to admit my limits? You want me to accept my limitations? That's not what mama told me to do. She told me to listen, love, lead, serve, be courteous, be generous. But limits are literally God's grace in disguise. We, we often miss God. We run right past him when we deny our limits. Let me give you a deeper look into my life. Um, my greatest challenge 
And my greatest temptation as a, as a leader and as a person, my personal makeup, even if I weren't the pastor of Park Lawn Assembly of God, my personal makeup is that I want to accomplish things. And in the 26 years as the pastor of this church, there's been some significant accomplishments. There's some things that I, I'm still dreaming about that we haven't even started yet. I, I'm, a, I'm a natural leader. But my greatest temptation, and I think the greatest challenge for all of us who are leaders, and we're all leaders in some form or fashion, so don't just sit on your hands and say, he's not talking to me right now. No, all of us are leaders. But our greatest challenge is, how do I stay within the margins of the pages of my life? If you look at a, at a sheet of, of lined paper, pull it out of a notebook, it has lines on it, but it has that red margin along the side. If you go on a computer or you use a typewriter, I don't know if anybody uses typewriters anymore. Millennials are probably saying, what's a typewriter? Well, use a computer, it has margins that you can set. Those are edges that you do not, you, you begin your type away from the edge. And you stop before you get to the other edge. The challenge is, how do I live within the margins? And not continue writing my life and writing my actions off of the page. That's a challenge for us, if you're, lead, if you're a leader. Park Lawn Assembly God is my primary calling and my office, my assignment uh, on this earth right now is to be the, the chief shepherd, the chief apostle, the bishop, the pastor of Park Lawn Assembly. Now I have a secondary office on a national level to lead the National Black Fellowship of the Assemblies of God. I every day deal with uh, the needs and the challenges of leading a staff at this church and a and a volunteer board at the National Black Fellowship. I deal with uh, the needs in my home, with my, the relationship with my wife and with my son and my, my granddaughter and, and my neighborhood. I deal with, with, just like you, emails, text messages, phone calls that come every day. It'd be great if they were scheduled to come in, but no, they come when people have a need, they're coming, right? Not on a schedule, but... I'm going to send him this now. I'm going to call him. I'm going to, you know, hit send. And they're coming from people who are close to you as family and friends. They're coming from people that you work with uh, on an associate level, not necessarily people that you would invite into your home every day. And they're coming even from strangers, people that you just met for the first time. And the temptation is to say yes and try to please everybody, to meet all of the needs. But guess what? I'm not God, neither are you. We cannot meet every need. But that is a temptation for those who are highly talented, highly skilled, highly gifted. If you've been efficient and successful in anything in life, it is a temptation for you to rebel against the limits that are in your life. So how do I live within the limits that God has set? And listen, God is the one who sets the limits for each and every one of us. His limits are set according to his will and his prerogative. God has the prerogative of telling us no and not even offering us an explanation why. And none of us like it when God says no, you can only go this far and no farther. But what, 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 what? 
No. That's all he offers. Then he's silent. The audacity of God. Well, let me tell you about his audacity. In Psalm 115, in verse 3, the psalmist said, Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. In Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, Moses wrote, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. In Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, the Lord declares, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You know, God's wisdom is just, is just so much higher than us. It's unsearchable. We can't even begin to know it. But yet there is a, there is a, a temptation on the inside of us to, to try to know, try to figure it out. Why? So we can control it. The Lord told Paul no. He told Jesus no. And if, come on, if he told Jesus no, he had no problem telling you no. Every person on the face of the earth and every person who's ever walked the face of the earth who has gone beyond the boundaries and the limits that have been set by God have always faced difficulty and hardship in their lives. And everybody who's been associated with that person has also dealt with the consequences. We have to submit to the limits. Even biblical leaders who have gone beyond their boundaries dealt with consequences. Uh, the author of the book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Peter Scazzaro, he, he, he says, and I quote, The Bible does not spin the flaws and the weaknesses of its heroes. Moses was a murderer. Hosea's wife was a prostitute. Peter rebuked God. Noah got drunk. Jonah was a racist. Jacob was a liar. John Mark deserted Paul. Elijah burned out. Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal. Thomas doubted. Moses had a temper. Timothy had ulcers. And all of these people send the same message that every human being on earth, regardless of their gifts and their strengths, is weak, vulnerable, and dependent upon God and others. We all have limits that we need to admit, we need to accept, we need to surrender to God's plan. Now, I don't want any of us to take this message and to say, well, that, that's my excuse to do nothing. Because some of us, that's all we need. That's all we've been waiting for. As soon as we ask to do something, nope, you remember that sermon by Bishop? He said, I can say no. Listen, when you have ability, that's one form of rich, riches. When you have time, that's another form. When you have means, that's another form. And I think it's the great, one of the greatest sins is to have those riches and not do anything with them. It's, it's as equal a sin as having them and going beyond your assignment. It's a sin to live without limits. Satan was the first one who sinned. Y'all remember Satan when he was called Lucifer. What was his sin? He went beyond his limits. He had an assignment by God. He had been given limitations. He had been given boundaries. But he said, no, that's not enough for me. I will arise 
And I will become like God. I will do more. I want this and I will do that and I'll do that. And what were the consequences? <laughs> they were destructive. Now he's the prince of the power of the air. Now he's the devil. Now he's Satan. Adam was given limits. And what was his sin? It was to go beyond the limits and the boundaries that God had set for him. Genesis chapter 3, Adam decided he wanted more. And of course, Satan helped him by tempting him. But God placed Adam in the midst of the Garden of Eden. Now, the, the, the word garden means the garden of God. It was a place. It was a place where, where Adam was to, was to find God. He walked with God in the cool of the day. Think about the theology of this thing, that God placed Adam in the garden. Adam didn't have to try to find it. He didn't have to pull out a map. He didn't have to GPS it. You know, he didn't have to sweat chopping down trees to find the garden. God said, nope, listen, you ain't got to sweat. I'm just going to place you in this place called Eden. That's, that's symbolic of the relationship that you and I have with God. Think, how, think about that setup that God put Adam in. He put him in a place where there was, there was gold, there was riches, there were these streams. The Bible talks about a river that broke up into four different streams. And I've heard a preacher say that every one of us should have at least four different streams of income. I, don't, I know that's a stretch theologically, but I like the way that sounds. Hallelujah. Yes, I say amen to that. Come on, one stream, there was gold and bedulum and onyx and precious stones. I believe that that's what God wants for us. He wants us to live in that place of abundance. But you don't have to sweat. You don't have to strive. God will place you in that place. That's his will for every one of us. Amen. Come on, if you receive it, give God some praise. And when he placed Adam in that place called Eden, he commanded him, to take care of it, to protect it, to work it, to keep it. That, that's what it means to be a steward, that whatever God places in your hand, now you are to take care of it and steward it and make it better. You know, God's plan for every one of us is wherever he puts you, on your job, think about this, on your job, in your community, in a family, in a marriage, in a church. He puts you in that garden, but he doesn't want you to just stay in the garden. He wants you to take care of the garden because he wants to give you the world. Right? Think about it in, in, in Matthew 28. Go you therefore and teach all nations. God's, God wanted man to start in the garden, but he wanted him to take over the whole world. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit and, and be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Start there in the garden, but then go to Judea, Samaria, and the whole world. That's what God's plan is for every one of us. And so he placed Adam in his garden, and you all know the story that, that everything that they could ever imagine was in the garden, including these two trees in the back of the garden. There was a tree of life and there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil and God told Adam you can have everything in this garden except this one tree right here this is your limit this is your boundary don't touch it because the day you go beyond your boundary the day you go off the page of the margins you will die you got freedom to choose you got freedom to do whatever 
You got, you got a wife. It's not good for man to be alone. I love those last few verses of Genesis chapter 2 that Adam saw his wife and called her bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. The Bible says they were naked and unashamed. My God, God, you're just amazing. He said, Adam, you are free to love. You are free to live, free to enjoy life, and I even give you freedom of choice, but just don't go beyond the limit. The day you do, the consequences will be that you die. When God sets limits before us, he never explains the reason and the rationale. He just told Adam, you're going to die if you do it. He didn't give him the science of it. He didn't give him the theology of it. But I'm going to go a little bit deeper and let you know that limits confront us with God's authority. Whenever God sets a limit before us, he's saying, he's asking us the question, who's going to be God in your life, you or me? Limits are a confrontation with his authority. Are you going to choose to rebel against his limits or are you going to embrace, accept, and submit to them? Peter Scazzaro says that limits force us to make a decision. They force us to trust his goodness or to rebel against him. For this reason, limits take us to the heart of the spiritual warfare that rages around our leadership and our relationship with Jesus. So Adam failed the test. He failed the test. But you know, the good news is that there was another Adam the last Adam, because there were other Adams that came. There was, there was Abraham, and there was Noah, and there was Moses, there was David. But the last Adam, Jesus, he embraced his limits. See, all those other fellows that I mentioned, Abraham went past the limits. Moses went past the limits. Noah went past the limits. Remember, Noah got drunk. Moses was a murderer. Abraham lied. The last Adam, Jesus Christ, he embraced his limits. Put up on the screen Matthew chapter 4, and verse 1 tells us that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. And now when the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hand they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Satan's temptation to Jesus was to go beyond the limits. He was literally saying, Do something. Take some action to prove that you are the Son of God. Prove that you are who you say you are. Lisa Nichols is an African-American um, life coach and motivational speaker. She says there are four keys to our success. She says, I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to protect. 
I have nothing to prove and I have nothing to defend. You got to know what your limits are. You got to know who you are. You don't have to prove yourself to anybody. You don't have to hide anything. And listen, if you're a good singer, you ain't got to hide it. You know, you got to get up here. <laughs> Y'all pray for me. <laughs> I got a scratchy throat. It's been a hard Well, Just go ahead and sing, baby. Just sing. You ain't got to hide nothing. You ain't got to prove nothing. You ain't got to defend nothing. Just, just be who you are. Next month, my wife and a group of ladies are going to lead us in a teaching series throughout the month focused on women. They're going to be doing TED Talks each Sunday morning during the sermon time called The Emotionally Healthy Woman. The author is, is Jerry Scazzaro, who's the wife of Peter she says the most powerful person in the world is the one who has nothing to prove or to lose. Jesus refused to go beyond the limits to turn the stone into bread. If the Father wants me to fast, then that's my assignment. That's my limit. If I go beyond that, I'm going to deal with the consequences. He's the last Adam, and he passed the test. He embraced his limits. He refused to feed the false value that he had to prove himself and prove his worthiness, but he chose instead to trust the Father. So what's the application of this? The application is that it's all right to have motivation and have visions and have dreams and believe God for great things, and, but you need to discern the limits that God has set for us. When God says no, embrace it. Embrace it. Because if you go beyond, you'll die. And everybody around you is going to deal with the consequences. But what about when Satan says no? Well, when Satan says no, just resist it. Come on, you need to press through that. And just because he said no, that means God said yes. You need to go hard after that. But what about when the world and my circumstances and people say no to me? And I believe that God wants me to do this thing, but, uh, but the world is saying no, or somebody in authority, my boss is saying no, or the police officers are saying no, or the government is saying no, or the pastor is saying no, and I believe I've heard the Holy Spirit. What about when the world and circumstances tell you no? Then you need to discern it. You need to discern it. You need to, you need to stop and pray. You need to get some praying people around you, some wise counselors around you who will help you to discern if this is the word from the Lord through people or if it's the word from the devil. And if it's the word from the devil, press on through. But you know what so many of us do? Is that we, when we do get the word from the Lord, we, we ignore it and we press on through anyway. We strive and we, we, we struggle and we, you know, we see in the world, we got our eyes on the world and, and the psalmist says, you know, don't, don't fret yourself because of evildoers. There's too many of us that we're looking at the world and we're seeing the wicked prosper. And we're saying, you know what, they're prospering and I'm not. I need to become like them. I need to do something so that they don't pass me by. Limits will always lead us to God. Limits led Jesus Christ to the comforter. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was faced with drinking that bitter cup that was symbolized by the communion that you and I partook of this morning.
And he prayed to his father in earnest prayer with his sweat being mixed with blood. And he was in the greatest agony of his life. And he said, Father, I don't want to drink this cup. But if it be your will, I'll do it. The father said, no. Three times he went back and prayed. And each time the father said, no. Without explanation. So he embraced the limit. And he found grace and he found strength from the father to continue on. When he was on the cross, he didn't want to die on the cross. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But he embraced the limit that the father had placed on him. The apostle Paul found the father in a new way when he had this thorn in his flesh. And he asked God three times to take the thorn out of his flesh. But each time God said no. My grace is sufficient for you. Paul only found God's grace in disguise when he embraced his limits. So the application for some of us, if I just come down your street today, is that some of us have parents who are aging. And we're charged with caring for them. Some of our parents have dementia, Alzheimer's disease, and you want to travel. Your friends are going around the world and you got to stay with mama and daddy. That's a limit. Embrace it. Your limits will lead you to God. You will find a new dimension of God's grace in that place. Some of us have a child that's been diagnosed with a disability special needs a disorder of this or that sort and you brought them to the altar for prayer you fasted you've anointed with oil but the situation has not changed if it's a limit from God embrace it Every time you speak and care and touch for that child, you will learn a new dimension of God's grace and glory that you would not have learned had you just pressed your way through it. Some of us have medical conditions that don't allow us to do certain things that we used to do. Now, if you fail to, to embrace your limit and press your way through, you can make the situation worse. Amen, somebody. Embrace it. Some of you all are unmarried. You desire a spouse. I know you go to bed with Jesus every night, but you want some biceps and triceps <laughs> to roll over on every now and again. You want to feel like the others. You hear their testimonies. You get invited to be the bridesmaid one too many times. You want to be the bride for, for a time or at least one time in your life. But for whatever reason, it's a limit right now. Now you can choose like the world and say, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and get me some. I'm going to get me somebody. And when you do that, 
you'll come face to face with God's authority. <laughs> you will. And if you press through that authority, there will be consequences on the other side. I'm going to close with this and the musician come back. Limits are an invitation to a love feast. They're an invitation to a love feast from God. The communion that we, we celebrate and remember this morning is symbolic of an actual love feast meal that the early church partook of. They didn't have these little cups and plastic and aluminum foil. They had a meal that the whole church was invited to in somebody's home. And when we embrace the limits of God, we are being seated at a table of love before the Lord that he's prepared for us. It's a feast. But wait a minute, don't, it, don't, it don't feel like a feast. It feels like a fast. <laughs> feel like everybody else is eating and I'm starving. If you ever fasted, you know that feeling. Fasting is denying your flesh so that you can feed your spirit with the word of God and with the presence of God and with worship and with prayer. You want more of God than you want food. That's why we fast. But listen, I want to submit this to you. Fasting is really feasting. Because you're feasting on God like you never have before. They call it a fast, but it's really slowing. They ought to call it slowing. Because it slows everything down. It slows your life down. Your, your, your physiology slows down because it don't have any food and energy coming into it. You start yawning and getting tired. Your mind begins to slow. Your soul begins to slow down. And you are really finding God in that place of limitation. In Mark chapter 6, I'll close with this scripture. Jesus had taught to thousands of people on a day. And at the end of the day, in Mark 6, 33, the multitudes saw, uh, the multitude saw them departing. Jesus was leaving and many knew and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, he saw the great multitude. He was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and the villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And they went and found out and said, five loaves and two fish. Now, a barley loaf, let me just stop. A barley loaf was about the size of a biscuit. It wasn't a whole loaf of bread. It was, about to, it was enough to feed one person just like a, a little Happy Meal. It's about the size of a biscuit. Five of those and two little fish. He commanded them to make them all sit down in the groups on the green grass. And they sat down in the ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, he blessed and he broke the loaves. He gave them to his disciples. He set them before them and the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. 
And now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. The moment that you and I embrace our limits and, and say to God, Lord, I don't have enough to feed all these people. I can't take care of all these needs. I can't do all this. I got my limits. The moment that you and I admit our limits to God, accept our limits, and embrace the limits that God places in us, God begins to do the miraculous. But it has to begin with you and I releasing to the Lord what's in our hands. What do you have? Five biscuits and two fish. That's my limit. I don't have six. I don't have seven. I don't have a whole grocery store. For some of you, you got, you got less than that. But you got to admit your poverty to the Lord. You got to admit your, your bankruptcy and your dependence to God. And the moment you do, that's when God says, okay, now sit down. I'm about to show you something. I brought you to this place of revealing to you your limits so that I can show you my limitlessness. I don't even know if that's a word, but it just it's just the magnificence, the magnitudinalness of God. It's, it's the bigness, the awesomeness. Y'all understand what I'm saying, right? But you got to first of all recognize that you are not God and that he is. That he is. Limits lead us to God. Heartline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission... Join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.